Hey, this episode of the Adventist Millennial Podcast is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. What's the and more? Well, you'll have to go to their website to find out. Thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. First, the first and foremost of this podcast, Aaron, show us a magic trick. <laughs> okay. Watch this. <laughs> I'm gonna put. I'm really gonna put this entire thing in the podcast. <laughs> Wait, show us a magic trick. <laughs> okay. You have half the deck, and I have half the deck. Shuffle your half of the deck. Okay. Shuffling my half for the, of the deck. For the people who are listening to this who can't see what's going on, Aaron is doing a magic trick. We need a golf play-by-play. This is gonna be the most amazing magic trick you've ever seen. <laughs> And now he's cutting the deck. Okay. Now take half of your half of your cards uh-huh. and flip them over and we'll trade. And then you shuffle them. <laughs> is this is a real magic trick. You shuffle them in inside each other. out. Yeah, like that. Okay. So welcome back to the podcast. This is a special episode with the entirety of the conglomerate mind present and accounted for. <laughs> so who knows where it will go. We have a topic, but you never know what the, we'll actually end up talking about. So yeah, so I guess let's dive in. First of all, welcome to the conglomerate mind, <laughs> folks. Um, so we have uh, all three of us, which as far as we know, we're the only three. <laughs> But you never can tell. Aaron is the oldest, then John's the middle, and then me. So now we're just going to tell you all the things that probably you won't understand because we'll go off on tangents and rabbit holes of things from our childhood that nobody knows about except us. Yep. Um, okay, but that being said, <clears throat> uh, we want to talk about music today. So let's go ahead. Um, my first question is, uh, <laughs> remember when we used to record the radio and we would have these stories and in between we would break to sing like burl lives and sabbath school songs <laughs> so this is i'm actually glad you brought this up because i was just gonna ask you should we start by like uh reviewing our credentials and background in music yeah and this is basically the highest credentials that right. we could have i the mean it was on recorded, the radio we recorded our own radio show <laughs> back before that was even a thing that people did <laughs> We had a podcast as eight, nine-year-olds. In, like, 1998, <laughs> <laughs> we had and, a podcast. And our whole entire viewing audience was ourselves. <laughs> it was so Aaron rewinding played. it <laughs> and playing it, recording from the same spot and saying, what? <laughs> well, so, it, you but know for they, real, describe what our radio... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, they say you need to know your audience. Well, you can't, you can't know your audience any better than if, if your audience is yourself. If your audience is amused by you saying, what? <laughs> a bunch of times. <laughs> so, Aaron, describe what, because you, you were the mastermind of every, all these weird things that we did. So, describe what our the radio was. <laughs> so, the radio was... Uh, Basically a project that I strong-armed my younger siblings into. We used to have uh, various tape recorder 
cassette players around the house. One of them, I think, started with like a Fisher <laughs> Price. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you guys can hear, but the Venetian blinds are like blowing in the wind and it actually sounds like somebody is deliberately trying to make as much noise as possible, <laughs> okay, like in a comedic way. <laughs> So the radio was um, basically our version of what we thought radio broadcasts were with DJ commentary and songs and radio dramas. <laughs> Weather so we reports. Up, yeah. <laughs> we, um, we grew up listening to a lot of like dramatized audio tapes. And so we had cassette tape players. And of course, back then, they almost always allowed you to record onto tapes um so if you put scotch tape on a, uh the the little record <laughs> holes on a cassette tape you could record on <laughs> any tape that we you wanted to over everything important. <laughs> so i think <laughs> recorded yeah. over steve green probably <laughs> <laughs> i think we um recorded over quite a few things that we probably <laughs> shouldn't have <laughs> and not to mention the fact that we had plenty of blank audio cassette <laughs> tapes that were set aside for that purpose um, but we, we basically would, uh, just come up with running commentary on whatever, uh, was important to us at the time as 10 year olds. Um, I think we saw snippets of Lois and Clark on <laughs> ABC when it was running and we weren't allowed to watch it. So we invented we what it. we thought the show was and did it as a, as a dramatized well, that was serial. So- I mean, now we're much more professional, and this is probably way more interesting than that was, but that was pretty good. (laughs) I was actually really impressed with us because we basically created a radio drama about Superman uh, that didn't have any (laughs) script or pre-writing or or anything to do (laughs) with Superman. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Now that I think about some of the details of that story it we did not know anything <laughs> about superman or or where he came from or how I he got his powers or what his powers were <laughs> i wish we still had that so we could play a clip oh, I know. Of uh, but yes that's our origin story in in broadcasting <laughs> or uh i don't know what not broadcasting just self-casting <clears throat> um so but yeah so i wanted to talk about uh, jumping off from there, <clears throat> kind of music within Adventism, uh, because after all, this is a podcast about Adventism. So, so I guess I want to start out and just ask you guys, like, what what was your experience with music growing up as an Adventist specifically? Well, I mean, obviously, something very common for Adventist kids is to take music lessons, and we started music lessons pretty early, but I don't think that really shaped a whole lot of my ideas about music. It was just something that we had to do yeah. as kids whose parents made them do music <laughs> lessons. But as far as like influential experiences early on, we weren't allowed to when well, it's not even that we were specifically like forbidden, but we just didn't listen to the radio or to that much music. I mean, I listened to Radio Disney. But that wasn't even until like yeah. later when we were teenagers. Yeah, that's true. 
when we were young, little, we old, pretty much radio Disney. <laughs> like our parents didn't really listen to music recreationally, not nearly to the extent that people do now. Maybe like on a Friday when we're all cleaning the house or something, they would put on the King's um, yeah, the Heralds or or you know something, and then Sabbath mornings were a big a big time to play like Christian music as we were getting ready for church. But other than that, we didn't really just like have music playing in the house very often. That is true. However, I would make one addendum that mom went through an Elvis phase <laughs> in which she watched a recorded from TV VHS of his concerts every day for like a year. <laughs> yes. And that is how all three of us know every single Elvis song <laughs> there is. Anyway. So, so yeah, but no, that's true. Um, and dad would like wake us up on Sabbath morning by putting on, uh, the Harold's kids album <laughs> or like stuff like that. Which just as a side note, um, I don't know how this pertains specifically to that music shaping my opinions on music, but I still listen to those King's Harold's out al- like those three Harold's <laughs> albums basically every sabbath when i'm getting ready for <laughs> church so the for all us kids was the kids one and then um my brand our brand of country yeah and the way we were yeah was and literally just yeah i was literally just listening to that yesterday <laughs> with Sarah. I, I yeah i actually still listen to that music every sabbath when i get ready for church <laughs> so basically what you're saying is your experience has been... Um, if you get the audience early, it doesn't <laughs> matter how good the quality of art <laughs> right, is. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, but a- anything else to add? I mean, like, you played in church, and you've seen, like, the whole conversation slash arguments about music that happens a lot in church, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I we've all played music in church, but I started playing um, guitar in church when I was 12, and basically didn't stop until just a few years ago. And I still do occasionally. I just don't have much time for it anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I've heard the, the music controversy in the Adventist church from all different sides and all different perspectives for many, many years now. Um, and without just enumerating all the different um, opinions there are, I can, I guess what I would say is that well for one thing we didn't grow up in like a super conservative church it was pretty moderate i guess yeah um medium size like suburbs area and they had like praise music and yeah we sang praise and worship like a lot of michael w smith chris tomlin um and we did have a drum set oh (laughs) Um, but everything had to be in four four time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there were yeah there were some. I mean, there were some older people involved in the music at our church, and they had some weird stuff that they um, believed was very important. That that was honestly kind of confusing at times. <laughs> but yeah, I I feel like um, the church that we grew up with kind of at least for me, didn't give me a a really strong bias one way or the other. Um, like with until I got to the point where I really 
just felt like I wanted to think about it and come to my own conclusion. I didn't grow up with any strong preconceived ideas before I formed my own. Yeah. Like, I feel like mom and dad never were, like, really strict with us about this is the rules about music. Um, We just kind of... Yeah. Well, I I didn't even feel like we... Music as, like, kind of a pop culture thing wasn't really a part of our you know, our childhood growing up, like even the like Adventisty stuff, like we didn't really listen to the heritage singers mm-hmm. or the Gaithers mm-hmm. or, you know, like we had uh, probably a handful of CDs that my parents had bought at some point, yeah, you know, literally oh. like 12 CDs. And, you know, we basically listened to those Takes and sense. we didn't ever really listen to like Christian radio yeah. or, I mean, we might, once in a great while turn on uh you know like public radio <laughs> you know Which listen to some talk shows or classical music but like that was so just not something that we did so it wasn't like there was a lot of stuff to talk about yeah. or have any kind of controversy and over we didn't anyway go to, like concerts and which is now that i think about I it i still have not gone to a concert because it's not like mom and dad don't like music dad was a music major <laughs> Yeah, that's actually something that I've, I, yeah, I have wondered about, but never really like consciously um, had that question that I felt like I should ask them. But yeah, because I've I've had conversations with other people about music in yeah. our house, and I've I told people, yeah, my parents are both musicians; they love music, they were but in choir. but they but we just didn't really listen to music, and then but I never really wondered like why yeah. that that was, because even like my on both sides of the family our extended family they listen to music yeah i don't know do you have thoughts uh i mean as far as like why no i i don't know um i think we just it was never really a big a big thing for our family i think my both my parents were a lot more interested in just sitting at home and being you know around the family than actually like going outside and looking for stimulus i don't know yeah maybe anyway so tell us about because your experience was probably a little bit different than ours i feel like you weren't as involved in like church you did music at church but i think for not as long right um i'm trying to remember when i started i uh i remember um i started playing the piano for praise team at at uh the Burleson SDA church and I don't even remember how old I was probably 14 or something and I you know I used to play a little bit in Sabbath school for um the younger kids but I I think at some point I got roped into joining the band and I did that for um probably uh, close to up until I went to college so it was probably f- three or four four years if not longer um did you like it i didn't dislike it it was just it was sort of like but mom and dad weren't making you do it were they not really it was just um they didn't really have anybody to, to play the piano and they asked me if i would do it and so i was like okay whatever and i mean i think that's a big part of why i got comfortable playing by ear Mm. um 
you know, beyond just like noodling around on the piano. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I never felt like it was something that anybody pressured me into. Yeah. Um, but at the same time it was sort of like other than, you know, uh, playing by ear a little bit i don't know how much it helped my musicianship <laughs> it was it wasn't like any kind of really really structured practice yeah. or or anything like that so it was sort of just an opportunity to play as long as it wasn't a tape playing as the track then they were happy it didn't have to be <laughs> um well yeah and and i did a little bit of that too but i was never as musical <laughs> as either of you guys and i played like the bass for praise him but i always sucked and i never got better <laughs> so that was kind of my experience but um uh where do you guys see yourselves on the spectrum of like you know opinions on christian music from like your christian birdals on one end and like your skillet on the other end <laughs> like do you have strong opinions about or or personal preference even about like i don't know well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm I'm very illiterate when it comes to just knowing what goes on in pop culture. So certainly in any kind of mainstream music, I don't really I don't really listen to what's going on in the current trends. As far as Christian music, I know a little bit of what it is just because I'm involved with a church and so I'm you know, I'm pretty I work pretty closely with the the worship um team so I, I know a little bit of kind of contemporary Christian music, but I don't, I don't like listen to Christian music. So I'm, I don't, don't have like a, I, I think most Christian music sucks. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> it's just not, Cause it's evil. Cause it's no, satanic. it's like, it's not very complex. Oh. And oh, yeah, like my, my K-pop. biggest, my biggest issue with it is that it's not real deep. It's not very musically challenging. Mm. And so, you know, it's well, boring. It's boring people? for somebody who likes to write music or, you know, who likes to listen to classical music and appreciate, you know, okay, s- here's all kinds that of different thought things. Okay, that I just had. Is it uh, simple and, and boring because Christian songwriters are not creative or because they have to do that in order for people to be able to perform it? <laughs> I think that, well, I don't know. I, I think the impression is that it needs to be simple for people to sing it, but then you listen to a lot of worship songs, and it's not really written f- to be easy for yeah, people to right. sing. It's not so like congregational. I think His hymns are easy to sing. So I'm very extremely opinionated okay, about this. Um, just to answer answer your initial question, um, I would describe myself and have been described by other people as leaning pretty far to the conservative side of things as far as music in the church, Christian music in general. However, a, I would say a huge chunk of that falls down to my own personal preference, and I don't feel very much need to dictate what other people choose to listen to or play. Um, I do think... You won't storm out because hashtag Charmaine is a sinner? <laughs> um, I haven't yet. Okay. Well, that's um, a good... That's a good story we might dig into <laughs> about kind of early music experience <laughs> yeah. in the church. Yeah, but but I would say there are um if it if it were to come up, I I probably wouldn't bring it up, but if it were to come up, 
I feel like I could make a pretty strong argument against some certain types of music and certainly some um, particular, um, certainly specific songs and possibly even some particular artists. Mm. That being said, um, I think there is some merit to uh, any type of quote-unquote Christian music. Um, but just speaking to what Aaron was saying about um, the complexity or the style of it, um, you know, contemporary Christian music and praise and worship music, and then with hymns, um, that's something that I think Aaron and I are very similar in is, um, I'm not really sure how to put this, but we... We, we need to be interested in something. Mm. If something is simple or not challenging, w- I think we both lose interest pretty quickly. Um, and then I'm just a very particular person in general, so I'm extremely choosy with the songs that I listen to, partly because yeah, we, we don't, or at least I don't, listen to music very often just as something to do. I might put music on if I'm doing something else, um, but I think um, one of the one of the biggest things that I recognize and don't really have a problem with, but I find very fascinating that could be problematic for some people is that Christian music today has evolved into its own musical genre, meaning that if you took the words out completely it's still distinctly mm. recognizable as Christian it's music. It's not like bar songs with Christian words <laughs> like the hymns. Right. So, and that's fine, and I actually kind of like that in some ways for some purposes. But the flip side of that is if you don't like that particular style, mm-hmm. then you, you're kind of um, out of luck yeah. if you want to listen to Christian music. Um, so that's, that's, that's my opinion as far as the, the theoretical music. Yeah, of, cri- of right. contemporary Christian music goes. And then with hymns, uh, I kind of agree with Aaron on some points about the simplicity of it, how I feel for the most part, I don't get bored with hymns, especially because there are so many and especially because there is a lot of depth and variety to the words and the different mm-hmm. the different styles of um, messages in in all the the different As pieces. Burns onto the genial homeland. Exactly. <laughs> but um, I think I think the fault does not lie so much with the hymns in that they can be to a musician hymns can be a little bit boring, not because the music itself is boring but because of the way that they're used. Mm. Um, Like I said, there's so many hymns that you end up just, people don't know all of them, and so then you end up hearing the same ones over and over again. Um, So that contributes to it. But I think the biggest thing is, if you open the hymnal and look at the notes, yeah, there's notes there, but those are four-part harmony notes. That's not the accompaniment. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Bless their heart, there are many people who volunteer to play piano or organ or whatever instrument it is um, f- 
for to accompany the hymns in church but if there's no sheet music in front of them what they're gonna play is fairly basic yeah and you find i find that it's very few and far between the pianists who can really do a very well structured um and musically interesting Mm -hmm. accompaniment to hymns (coughs) without having a an arrangement like sheet music arrangement in front of them and that's i think that's where at least for the people who may get bored sometimes listening to hymns that's the reason why Mm. That's interesting. Um, and then you have the people who, even if they could do something new and different, they say, it has to be exactly as it sounds on the CD. Exactly. <laughs> yes, and that, I would just point out, occurs very frequently with <laughs> praise and worship uh, <laughs> like teams as well. You have to add in the shouting part where they do the shouting part. All the runs are the same. All the riffs are the same. <laughs> Do you guys do you guys find that um, there's anybody in our generation that has any philosophical issues with the way contemporary Christian music is used? What do you mean by the way it's used? Well, I mean, I guess like we've talked a little bit about um, some of our stylistic preferences. I don't have any major problem with the way. Uh, I'm specifically talking more about like praise and worship music. Um, I don't know enough about Christian music in general to talk about other, you know, other artists outside of worship style. But um, so are you talking about the music itself or the way it's used in the service and its purpose therein? Yeah, I guess. Um, what i would what i would say is do you feel like the way that worship music is used as kind of like the backbone of a service um kind of a way to emotionally involve you like do you what are your thoughts on that oh like is it propagandistic or manipulative yeah oh yeah yeah yes it is and is that a uh, incorrect or a bad thing to do? Whether or not it's bad is less um, cut and dry for me. But as a general rule, I don't really like it. I I don't think I would go so far to say that it's wrong. But for me personally, I don't get anything out of that. Um, I like playing under the prayer. I don't have much of a problem <laughs> with that. But in general, I'm the type of person who, if I feel like I'm being manipulated, will push back oh, a yeah, lot. Yeah. Even if it's something, if I, if I even if I'm being manipulated to do something that I want to do. <laughs> that you were going to do anyway. Yeah. Never mind, I'm not giving my offering. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is that, but that's a really small part of it. However, I think that... Um, it's often a, I guess it's often a combination of things, but the style of the music, the style of the service, and and the way that it's hard to explain without just like going into really specific scenarios in well, great detail. But 
but yeah, I would I would say there are I not even most of the time, but there are times when I would disagree with the way the music mm. is being used in the service. What do you think the purpose of using music in in a worship context should be? Obviously it should to be generate offering. <laughs> um, nobody's supposed to know that. <laughs> now they're gonna know <laughs> why we have That's a special right, a music during. Give <laughs> us your dollars. Give them. Your <laughs> <laughs> we do that during children's story. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, for me, I mean, music is an emotional thing, and I'm I, I would not say that it is incorrect to use that to modify or manipulate our emotions to some degree, um, and I might even go so far as to say that we should but it depends on what what the yeah the underlying purpose but then also the actual result is Mm. um for me i'm a very introspective person and there are times when music is used to set the mood where i feel um misled or possibly even violated and there are times when music is used to set like, the mood where I... Like, can you give an example? Um, like when the drummer's violating you with <laughs> <laughs> <the> drumstick. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Not physically <laughs> violating me. But, um, yeah, ju- just to, to use music in a way that's very clearly to... Manipulate manipulate you into a very emotionally vulnerable state, mm. and then to um, capitalize on that to either, you know, appeal for offerings or make some other type of appeal. Okay. whether it be for yeah. volunteers or to deliver some type of message. So this is an interesting question. It's a legitimate question that I have because I know that you listen to Christian Birdall, right? Have you? I don't know who that is. One of the things that he talks about is he gives an example of the emotional effects of music on people and then and then uses an illustration of like in movies, you know, the scary music comes on and you understand the cue that you're supposed to feel scared or whatever. So where do you draw the line or is there a distinction between music that accompanies the emotion because that's the emotion that you're experiencing or using it intentionally to put you in a specific em- emotional state. Well, so this is a conversation that I've had with a couple people too, and I agree with. I I wouldn't put a percent number on it, but almost everything that Christian Berdahl says in his presentations, the p- the the I- the t- the areas where I take issue are in the way that he presents his information. I think he he has the potential of coming off wrong and being misunderstood in his general message. Um, and that was one of the things that I felt if I if I wasn't paying very close attention to what he was actually trying to convey, I could have very easily been rubbed the wrong way by what he was saying. And that was one of the things that I remember specifically him talking about the the emotional aspect to music and how it would have been easy to misunderstand his message as being 
music messes with your emotions and therefore it is bad. Where I don't think that's what he was trying to say, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, t- I think to separate emotion and music to be mutually exclusive would be 100% pointless and totally wrong in itself. Um, I think that there, that is part of music, and it should be used as such, but it, it shouldn't be, um, it shouldn't be taken advantage of. I guess yeah. just like you can, um, you can use words to um, create emotions or manipulate emotions, but there's um, a good way to do it and a bad way to do it. Does that make yeah. sense? So, like, if you're robbing someone and you go. It makes it even worse because you're manipulating them into knowing <laughs> you're about to stab them. I don't know how <laughs> to answer that. <laughs> well, you're the one that asked the question. What do you think is the appropriate or is do we regularly, inappropriately use music within a worship context? Yeah, I want to hear what you have to say. And then also I want to circle back because I never, I, I mean, I got sidetracked and I never actually answered your question, which is what was what is the correct way to use music? But. I want to hear what you have to say. Okay, I'll well, I'll make it quick. Um, so I think for me the the benefit that music brings is that it allows you to express things that you can't quite do with just language. Um, it allows you to get closer to the source of the actual emotion. Um, in a way, especially if you're not very verbally gifted. Mm. Um, you know music does things that you know much in the same way like a a really good painting or something that you know anything that kind of evokes a strong emotional response um i mean if you you see that's very much the case often with art whereas like when you have a conversation most of its information flow. So I feel like the, the benefit of using music is it allows you to do something that you can't do just with the rest of the pieces of worship service, which is primarily spoken word, um, you know, rhetorical. And so for me, it seems like if you're trying to do something as a group, um, you know, if you have a time set aside to worship God, um, it can give you another dimension to experiencing that worshipful mode. Um, I think where you run into problems, um, obviously, if you're intentionally trying to manipulate the the congregation, that's kind of malicious. But I don't think most of the time that's the issue. I think most of the time is we're like, oh, this is where the music goes, so we're going to put some music here without any kind of thought or understanding into, like, what's the purpose of having music there to begin with? It's the liturgy, that's why. You know, if it's just because, well, this is where we usually put the special music, so we, oh, we don't have a special music this week, so uh, can you, you know, can you do something, like, real quick? You know, I feel like, you know, it's like I would rather not have something than to hear it done poorly. Um, and it's not because I, I'm assaulted by their, you know, their poor musicianship. It's just that if your initial intention is to try to find some way to commune with 
this thing that's usually invisible and not really tangible in our life, and this is a tool to do that better, why would you do something like half-assed in church, you know? I mean, but wouldn't psychedelics also make that communal experience? Well, maybe, but I don't think we have like thousands and thousands of years in our culture of how to use that, you know, that's been studied and processed Let's and refined. Start the LSD <laughs> so, you know, obviously it exists for something, but I don't think that we have the yeah. kind of research and cultural okay. background this to use it. This is where we put the LSD, but we don't have anything prepared. Could you just drop some acid right here? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what were you going to say, John, about... Um, um, so I was actually going to say something pretty similar to what you were driving at, and that's that if I were to sum it up basically, I would say that music is a tool of engagement. Um, music is a very engaging thing, and that's why peop- so many people listen to music so often. Um, and that's where it can be useful or abused in a church setting is because it's a way to add an additional level of engagement like you were saying not everyone has the ability of if you listen to a really great public speaker um, the the really good ones are able to engage their audience um, quickly and deeply and if you don't have that ability music can give you some of that Um, and that's just an example of you know, using music as a tool to in, to engage the the audience or the congregation, whatever the setting might be. Um, so for me, um, I think it it is a very individual thing, and I think it also depends a lot on motivations. But you can't truly evaluate another person's motivations. So it always kind of comes back to a personal issue. But the way that I ideally use music is just to give an example or the way that I would see music being ideally used. Um, My example would be when I'm having my own personal devotions, I very often start them by singing um, just one or two verses of one or two of my favorite hymns or even I might even go to one that I've never sung before um, and there's something about the music that um, just kind of at least for me helps me more easily change my mindset whether my devotions happen mm-hmm. in the morning you know to change from you know an attitude of you know being asleep or just tiredness or whether it's at the end of the day changing from busyness of day to devotions mode um, it helps to more easily change that the mindset and attitude Um, but then i think also it does help kind of engage you into that activity more Um, not just hearing the music but then the further um, the uh I guess the next level of depth would be to actually participate in the music, which is why, you know, we have congregational participation in, in praise and worship is that it just adds that next level of engagement, um, to really, um, kind of put you into the right spirit, 
or you know prepare your heart whatever terms you want to call it but i think it is very useful for that because it can be hard um for anyone and i think for certain types of people it's even more difficult but it can be hard to make that transition from um whatever else you might have going on or might be happening at the time to a state of worship um and i think uh most people probably realize that and that's that's of course the very obvious reason that many churches start out with music um but it's not very often articulated and it's not always done well and that concludes this week's part one be sure you tune in next week because it gets a little spicy and we get in kind of a disagreement um and we argue so here's a clip to entice you to come back for part two of this conversation i don't know whether it's because i've found more fulfillment in being involved that i'm bored with church or if i'm just bored in church because it's boring if I didn't have a family or, you know, if it was just me and I was like, do I, would I rather go to church or stay home? I'd rather stay home.